0: Welcome back everyone, the All-Star Game festivities are over now, and they were a ton of fun. I enjoyed every second of them, but now it's time to get into the second half of the season. The Atlanta Braves look to defend their division title and go for another World Series. Today we're going to talk about potential trade targets because now it's trade deadline season, and I couldn't be more excited. Let's talk about that today, and as always, feel free to reach out to me with your ideas. I'd love to hear who you think the Brave should trade for. Alright, let's get started. Before we get into potential trade targets, let's talk about the All-Star Game festivities for a bit, just because I'm a huge fan of the All-Star Game. I know that some people are not, and that's okay. It's just an exhibition game, so it doesn't really mean anything, but growing up, that was always a tradition of mine. Ever since I was a little kid, I used to spend my summers at my grandparents' house, and we would, every July... I would be picking watermelons at their house, and one of the things we would do is I'd go over to my cousin's house, and we would watch the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game, and so ever since then, it's been a big part of my life, and I've really enjoyed watching it. One thing that's really interesting is that, as most of you probably know, the National League finally won the All-Star Game for the first time in 10 years. They 0-9 0 and 9 in their last in their previous nine All-Star games and finally won one and of course again it doesn't mean anything but one thing that I have been tracking is that typically the American League and not just the All-Star roster itself but the league as a whole the American League has better offense and the National League has the better pitching in the postseason that translates really well that's why you, there have been a lot of you know, it's gone back and forth in the World Series, but in the postseason it translates really well, which is why you've seen teams like the Braves when they only won eighty-eight games, and the Nationals when they were in the wild card, and you see a bunch of the in the Phillies, for example, making a long run last year. It's because they had the pitching. But it's not just singular teams either, it's across the league for the most part, in my lifetime the American League has had better offense, and the National League has had better starting pitching. Now, some of that has to do with the DH and not being in the National League, but still. And what that seems to have translated is once you get to the All-Star game where all the best pitchers are pitching for both sides, it's not the league as a whole. It's just the best of the best. And so the pitching evens out in the All-Star game, and the American League had the edge because they had better offense, right? So we had pretty much even pitching every All-Star game, but the American League had edge because they had better offense. Things have seemed to have shifted recently. This year, it's from an outside looking in, it seems to appear that the National League actually has the better offense, and the American League has the better pitching. Which is very, very rare, uh, like I said, since I've been tracking it. It's almost always that the American League has the offense, the National League has the pitching. This year, it seems to have switched a bit. That's not to say that people like Garrett Cole aren't top tier or anything like that. I'm talking about as a whole. But also, I wanted to talk about how fun was it that the Atlanta Braves got to show off with their defense. I mean, I, I know I've talked about Austin Riley's defense a lot and how he is below average For a major league baseball player, he's still better than I'll ever be, could ever dream of being. He's better than the large majority of human beings. I would venture to say he's better than over 99% of human beings at defense, but against his peers, he's not one of the better ones. However, he made some fantastic plays last night. Sean Murphy made some, you know, threw the runner out right off the bat saying, hey, You don't throw on Sean Murphy. And then Matt Olsen made that nice pick from Austin Riley. It was really cool to see the Braves show off their defense. And it was really fun to see defense on the other side of the ball, too. You know, Ronald Acuna was was the victim of one of them. But, you know, (laughs) what are the odds of that happening again? There's going to be a leaping grab in right field and then a leaping grab on the next batter in left field at the warning track. I mean, that was really cool to start off the game. I'm not going to lie. And then for the home run derby, I'm not going to lie to you, I picked Pete Alonso to win because it's hard to vote against a guy that's won twice. When someone's won twice, you know they're built for it. But it was amazing to see Julio Rodriguez hit 41 home runs in that round take out Pete Alonso. And I did talk with David Hayes over the weekend, not over the weekend, this past week when he asked who I thought was going to win. He said that he thought Vlad Jr. would win, and I told him, I thought Vlad Jr. was the only one that was going to give him his run for his money, Pete Alonso. And I was kind of wrong because Julio Rodriguez gave him a huge run for his money. But I did think Vlad Jr. had the second best chance of winning. And man, he did. He did an awesome job. Alright, well with that, let's go ahead and take a little break. And then we will jump into the actual players. I think the Braves, of course Alex Anthopoulos always makes awesome out of nowhere trades. But... Players I think that the Braves should target. Alright, now that we're back, first let's talk about the positions the Braves should target. This is the first time since I've done this podcast where I can say I don't really see them needing any really need to go hard after any offensive players they don't need to of course the atlanta braves are in the fortunate position to where they're first in the national league in era and first in the national league in runs scored so truly any position they get is just going to be an upgrade they don't really have any needs per se and i would say offense is the least that need that they have obviously they were setting records in june so this is the best offense they've had in my lifetime Uh, as far as runs scored per game above a league average right we've talked about that but you know they could always go for a bench bat or something like that but that's not something that they're going to spend a bunch of prospect capital on because really a backup bench bat is the type of player that you can pick up off of waivers at some point so I don't see them like that being a priority I will say this though arms are always nice to have even though they're Bullpen is the best in the National League so far. A lot of people on Twitter have been right. I'm fine with it, and I think that they should go after one more high-leverage type guy. It only helps in the postseason. They're definitely going to make the postseason. I think that's someone they can go after. And I do think that they want to pick up another rotation arm because, yes, the rotation has been fantastic, but it's really been you know just three guys, Bryce Elder, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton, because max freed has been injured kyle wright has been injured michael soroka can we trust him this season to make to be solid in the postseason we don't know yet he could but we don't know we don't know when kyle wright's coming back we don't know if max freed when he comes back if he's going to be at full strength even though he's going through a rehab assignment there's a lot of question marks in the rotation and what happens if another injury happens to the Braves rotation that'll really hurt them so the depth is extremely thin as far as playoff caliber starting pitchers yes there's guys like jared schuster dylan dodd colby allard sniss chauver i mean they have depth but as guys it's going to be a legitimate playoff arm that would make the playoff roster as a starter That's not super thick with the depth, okay? So they would help to bring in a guy that would be on the postseason roster as a starter. So I see them going after at least one more relief pitcher arm and one rotation arm. The issue here is that the way that the the cookie has crumbled, if you will, on what teams are competitive and what teams are not – have not really fallen in the favor of teams that are looking for pitching. And almost every team will be looking for pitching at the trade deadline. If you notice, most of the moves that Alex Anthopoulos has made, at least the bigger name moves, have been offensive players. Because every team that is competitive would love to add pitching if they could. If they have the assets and, and the asking price or whatever meets what they are willing to pay, almost every competitive team is going to be looking for pitching right so that hurts the braves and the fact that they're going to hit some bidding wars and it might reach a price that they don't want to spend it also means that the market or the available pitchers that are coming from selling teams the crop is not super exciting lucas giolito is by far the top arm that will be sought after he pitches for the white Sox, if you're unaware Currently, he has about a 3.5 ERA, and uh, he's has a solid track record of being very good these past few years. That would be awesome if the Braves could go after him. I don't think that they're going to be able to get him with the bidding war and the cost that he's going to be requiring, especially with the Braves having a weak farm system. right? I, I guarantee you most of us as fans probably overvalue guys like Vaughn Grissom and what he will bring back in a trade. Just because we've seen a player a lot, and just because they had a stretch in the major leagues that they did well, doesn't mean that their value is as high as you you might think it is, especially for starting pitchers that could be on the postseason roster and be effective. I'll go ahead and list the top rotation arms, in my opinion, that are available on the trade market, because remember, typically there's buyers and there's sellers. There's always those one-offs that will blow your mind, or might just be salary swaps, but those are very, very rare. So I'm going to list the ones that might be traded. Could be on the block, if you will. Like I said, there's Lucas Giolito and possibly Shane Bieber if the Guardians decide to sell because they have such pitching depth. But the odds of Shane Bieber being sold or traded is extremely low now that the Guardians are in first place in their division. So I just don't see that happening. And after that, there's a Huge gap. Huge gap. And then it's going to be Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals, Michael Lorenzen, who we saw pitch in the All-Star game. And then we have a Wardle Rodriguez from the Tigers as well. Other than that, that's pretty much it. So if the Braves don't get in on one of those, they're probably not going to get one. And with the market being so thin, all the teams that want pitching are going to be going after these players, driving up the cost. So we can talk about potential players there. I think out of all of those players, the most likely is probably Jordan Montgomery or Michael Lorenzen. That's probably who I think the Braves have the best chance of landing. I don't think they will. I'd love to see Jack Flaherty in a Braves uniform, especially after the way he dominated the Braves in the postseason in the NLDS a few years ago. I was at the game where uh, where the Braves actually won my uh, Adam Dunn hit a home run off of him and the Braves barely won that game but uh, Jack Flaherty has you know, had the Braves number even though the Braves have had the Cardinals number in the regular season for the most part so it would be kind of fun to get him and I'm sure his well, I know his value is at an all time low so I don't know if the Cardinals would be willing to trade him with his value being all time low but it would be cool to see him in a Braves uniform so I do think that Montgomery though and learns and probably are the highest chance of wearing a Braves jersey do i see it happening as likely no but i do think those are the guys that the braves could go after and kick the tires on i mean if, let's be honest alex and thoppos will probably kick the tires on all of them but those two probably have the likely the most likely possibility of being traded to the braves even though that probability is fairly low one guy i would like to see the braves go after and this is a relief pitcher. Is even though the Braves have the best overall bullpen in the National League, it would be nice to add another arm. Just because some of the guys are overperforming a bit, and so you just want to shore up that bullpen if you can, if the cost isn't crazy. And typically, the cost for bullpen arms are not nearly as high as they are for rotation arms. Of course, it all depends on things like how long is their contract, what's their track record, etc. So, like a like for example a top-tier reliever with four years left on their contract is going to demand way more than even a top-tier starting pitcher with half a year left on his contract, right? It's just how it works. But one guy I'd like to see the Braves go after and he, for whatever reason has not been talked about a lot is Scott Barlow of Kansas City Royals. He's been a top, one of the top relievers In Major League Baseball since 2021. He's been 14th in Major League Baseball and wins above replacement among relievers And I think that says something for his track record. He does have a ERA. That's not ideal. He has a 4.09 ERA So far this year at least at the time of this recording and of course, that's not the best you've ever seen but we do know that ERA is extremely volatile with relief pitchers And Just much like we've seen with A.J. Minter. A.J. Minter has an ERA um, in the top half of four. I think it's 4.91 currently. But over his past 20 starts, has a 1.5-something ERA. So, it's extremely volatile, right? So, it's important to look at the expectancy stats and stuff like that. And Scott Barlow's is a lot better than what his ERA shows. His expected ERA this year is actually at a point. 5.7 and that's top 30% of Major League Baseball and his expected fielding fielding independent pitching is 3.18 so that's a 3.18 expected FIP and his actual ERA of 4.09 shows you two things that he's been extremely unlucky in terms of giving up runs and for whatever reason defense has not been good behind him even though the Royals have had an extremely good defense this entire year. And another thing that he's been extremely unlucky with uh, runners left on base. Typically when you see a pitcher have really high strand rate, like over 80%, you can go ahead and assume that they're going to start overtime eventually giving up more runs if they continue to pitch the same way that they are. But the opposite can be said if it's a low strand rate and a 67.8% is much lower than his career average of 77.6%. And what that means is, runners are scoring at a higher rate off the base paths, much higher than they have in the past. So he has been a bit unlucky in that, and his batting average of balls to play against him is about 13 points higher than his career average. So basically, he's been unlucky. And so that's something to consider because like I've said multiple times, it's when you trade for someone. It's not about what they've done in the past. It's about what they're going to do for your team in the future. And the only thing that I see that concerns me is his walk rate is concerning. He he uh, he walks 11.3% of his batters, which is the second worst of his career. However, his exit velocity is uh, average exit velocity against him. Top four percent in the league chase rates. Top five percent. Hard hit against him is top 7%. Strikeout rate is top 11%. Swing and miss against him is top 16%. Expected slugging percentage against him is top 19%. And expected batting average, like I said, against him is top 30%. So, yeah, he's walking people, but they're not hitting him. And so if he can bring in his walks, and I do believe the Braves pitching team can help him with that. He's going to be elite. Um, I I just think that this is a type of guy, a perfect example of a guy that Alex Anthopoulos would go after. A guy that surface numbers looks bad, but the underlying numbers show a completely different story. And so a lot of times, like we saw with Jorge Soler a few years ago, you can take advantage of that. Which is kind of funny because who was Soler playing for when the Braves traded for him? Uh, But anyways, uh, it is kind of interesting because... Alex Antopoulos loves this type of player. The type of player where surface numbers look bad, but the expectancy stats show a different story that they could turn things around with a few tweaks or with their luck turning around. And I think this is a perfect example of a guy that the Braves could go after, and I'd love to see him wearing a Braves uniform. Another relief pitcher that makes a lot of sense for the Braves to go after is from the Chicago White Sox. If you've just been watching National League Baseball or just the Braves play, you probably don't know who Kanan Middleton is, but that's the guy I'd like to see the Braves go after. He's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum of that. He has been a little bit lucky, and you know that might not be the MO of Alex Anthopoulos, but he's still been extremely effective. As a relief pitcher, he already has 0.7 wins above replacement with a 3.09 ERA, and that is with within 34 games in which he pitched 32 innings this has been a breakout season for him over the past three years he was not good at all so that's a bit concerning but i do know that the white Sox will probably be trying to take advantage of his breakout season especially since they'll probably be sellers he is a free agent after next year so the braves not only would get him for this year but next year as well which is by the way one of the reasons I like Scott Barlow is that the Braves will not be losing a ton of relief pitchers after this year, but they potentially could lose Jesse Chavez, Joe Jimenez, and Lucas Litke. Although Lucas Litke has not been really a guy that the Braves would miss that much. He's only pitched nine a little over nine innings with a post or an ERA higher than ten. Of course, in a small sample size, but still yeah uh but those those are really the only guys the Braves are losing but it's nice to know that you could add someone for not only this year but next year as well I do think Middleton yes there could be a gamble there so it really depends on the price but I don't think he'll be demanding the type of return that Scott Barlow would because Scott Barlow does have a solid track record and uh he's Definitely been one of the better relievers for years, whereas Middleton is having a breakout year, so is that something that teams are willing to gamble on? We're not not sure, but I would like to see the Braves really kick the tires on him, take advantage of his breakout season if they can with a team that's going to be looking to sell, and when a team like the White Sox are looking to sell, they're definitely going to be trying to trade guys that have a year and a half left that are relief pitchers, because they're not exactly going to be helping them win a World Series anytime soon. It's sad, as to say. For whatever reason, I have a soft spot in my heart for the White Sox. I don't know if it's because I have a lot of friends that are White Sox fans, or that the White Sox have a lot of fun players on their team. I'm not sure, but it, it does make me sad that they're not they're not doing so well this year. But I do. I would like to see Middleton in a Braves uniform. I do think that he would help solidify the bullpen at a cost that would not be insanely high for the Atlanta Braves. Like I said, their farm system is terrible overall, and so they're not going to have a ton of assets to trade for a player, and Middleton seems like the type of guy that they can bring in at a price that they'd be comfortable with, and he would instantly be able to help that bullpen continue to be the best one in the league. I realize that he doesn't necessarily have the best record of being like a top-tier closer or anything like that when the Braves brought in Iglesias who has been a top-tier closer to be the setup man for Kinley Jansen. It's not that type of thing, but Middleton does pitch in higher leverage situations. He does have two saves this year, and 15 of his 34 appearances have been in the eighth inning or later. So he is the back end of the bullpen type arm for the White Sox. Of course, the White Sox don't have the same bullpen that the Braves do, so it doesn't necessarily mean he'd slot in and take over for A.J. Minter or anything like that for the eighth inning guy, but he is the type of guy that it's not like he's getting a low ERA because he's pitching in the sixth inning or whatever. Of course, you know my ideology on it all is that every inning is weighted exactly the same. But there is something to be said when there's high-leverage situations It can mess with your head psychologically. As we see with A.J. Minter, when he pitches in the eighth inning, he's elite. When he pitches in the ninth inning, he just can't do it. And so with that factored in, just know that Middleton has pitched in quote-unquote high-leverage situations, if you will. Uh, he hasn't pitched, you know, in a, really for any time, any any season for a team that's going to make the playoffs, right? Because he's pitched for the Angels from 2017 to 2020, and then the Mariners in 2021, and then the Diamondbacks in 2022, and now the White Sox this year. So that's another reason why I think the White Sox would be happy to trade him is they kind of probably picked him up with the idea that they could help the team. But if they're going to not make the playoffs to trade him because it's not like he has this long tie to Chicago. This is the only season he's pitched for them. So I I do think that he is going to be traded at the deadline. I would be shocked if he's not, and I think the Atlanta Braves should be the ones that should go after him. There's a little bit of concern that his expected ERA is a 3.55 versus his actual ERA of 3.09, but that still doesn't concern me too much because if you look at his stat cast page, it's read almost across the board. His hard hit rate is the best 35% of the league. His expected ERA is the best 27% of the league. His expected batting average against is the top 23% of the league. expected slugging percentage against is the top 32% in the league. His strikeout rate is in the top 10% of the league. And his swing and miss rate is in the top 4% of the league along with his chase rate. The only thing that is kind of bad is that his walk rate is in the bottom 49%, but that's right around league average. And then the barrel percentage is bottom 32%. But other than those two, everything else looks pretty good. You know, now his past 250 plate appearances is right above league average as far as uh, batters against him. But his last 50 have been excellent. He's trending down a little bit, so I don't know if the Braves want to break the bank on him, but Considering that his cost probably won't be extremely high that they're a guy that they can add and Solidify their bullpen a little bit more. This is not a blockbuster style trade by any means It's just something to make their bullpen a little bit better Along the rest of the season because as we know we're only halfway through a little bit over halfway through the season guys get injured Fortunately for the Braves they're in that fortunate position where they're not necessarily looking to upgrade tremendously they're looking to just build their depth, if you will. I've heard a lot of people talk about and suggest David Bedner of the Pirates. Of course, it'd be awesome to have him. You know, he's getting he's getting paid $745,000 this year, and he's not a free agent until 2027. He's one of the top closers in the league with an ERA of 1.27, and he's been one of the top pitchers for a while now. And over the past three years, he's been one of the top relievers in baseball. But I just don't see that the Braves have the resources to win a bidding war against him. The Pirates also are in no hurry to trade him since they can have him under team control through 2026. So you'd have to blow their minds to be able to get him from them. Like, example, like trading Bryce Elder straight up for him. I've seen that suggestion on Twitter that's the type of return that they're looking for. The Braves, that trade wouldn't make sense for the Braves because if you will say, it, their their weakest depth right now is their rotation. So, of course, the Braves wouldn't make that trade, but in theory, that's the type of trade it would take, right? So that's not the type of deal that the Braves are most likely going to make. Is it impossible? No, I just don't foresee David Bednar being traded to the Braves, although I would not complain if he was if the deal made sense, I just don't foresee a deal that could make sense to get a top reliever in baseball that's under team control through 2026 without the Braves trading major league talent along with their weak farm system. It's this is not a type of trade where you could just give them Von Grissom and you're good. That's not the type of trade that it not the type of return that they'd want back. I've seen Josh Hader float around. This one's really intriguing. A month ago, I would have said there's no way that the Padres are trading Josh Hader based on what they gave up to get him last year and the fact that they just traded for him last year. But at the same time, the Padres are underperforming. We all know Hader's track record. He's been one of the best in the league for a while, except for 2022, where he really struggled. Other than 2022, He's been a top reliever in baseball since he joined the league in 2027. He when he pitched for the Milwaukee and the Padres last year, it was extremely bad for by his standards. And the Padres probably felt like they regretted that trade. However, this year he has been excellent. He's got in 35.1 innings. He has a whip of 1.020, a FIP of 2.38, and his ERA plus is at 379 that means it's 279 percent better than league average he's been elite this year rightly so an all-star but he's a free agent after this year the padres are currently in fourth place in their division eight and a half games behind they're going to have to jump over the giants and the diamondbacks to win their division now as far as a playoff spot They're six games back, so over the next week or two is really going to show if they should be sellers or not at the deadline. I would imagine that they're going to be the type of team that's probably going to have a soft sell-off, if that makes sense. They're not going to destroy their entire roster. They've invested too much money and time into their core, even though they're underperforming as a whole. So I don't foresee them just breaking it down completely just yet, like the Braves did back in the day. But I do see them getting rid of guys like Josh Hader that only ha- only play for this year and could bring back a significant trade value. I don't like the Yankees did with Aroldis Chapman a few years ago. What is crazy, though, is I'm telling you, I was on the Josh Hader is not getting traded train like crazy. But now I'm starting to see it. The only thing is, I don't think the Braves can win a bidding war for this guy. This is not Alex Anthopoulos' MO or mode of operation. He does not go after the top sought-after trade targets at the deadline. Think about it. When's the last time he went and got the trade target that everyone is talking about? It doesn't. He doesn't do it because there's going to be a giant bidding war, and that's not something that he wants to be a part of. Rightfully so. Look at the roster that the Braves have constructed now by using that strategy. And with the expanded playoffs now, with teams that we didn't think would be good actually end up being really good, like the Diamondbacks, there's a lot of teams that want to either stay in the playoff mix, get better, or make the playoffs for the first time in a while. And so the bidding wars for for top end trade targets is going to be a high asking price. My final guide that I wanna see the Braves go after hard is Jordan Hicks of the Cardinals. You may remember him from years ago when he came onto the scene with his extremely fast fastball. In fact, <laughs> this year he has the fa- fastest average fastball in the league. But he's been exceptional this year. His ERA doesn't reflect it. He's got a 3.93 ERA. But he's a free agent after this season for Cardinals that aren't doing anything. His expected ERA is actually at 3.22. And when you look at his underlying metrics, his expected ERA is in the best 19% of the league. His expected batting average against is in the best 10%. His expected slugging percentage is the top 2% in the league. Barrel percentage is the best 12% in the league. Barrel percentage means when someone hits the ball, when they make contact with the ball, it has an expected batting average of 500 or above, in case you didn't know what barrel percentage was. And his strikeout rate is the top five percent of the league. Now he does struggle a bit with he does struggle with walks. He has a walk percentage that's the bottom four percent of the league, but a whiff percentage of the top 13% of the league. And I understand that a lot of people say, Oh, well, I don't want someone that walks a lot, but the Braves bullpen actually has the best walks plus hits per inning pitched in the National League and second in all of Major League Baseball, they can afford to bring a guy like Jordan Hicks where he struggles with walks when almost everything else across the board is elite. Uh, He's preventing runs at an elite clip. He is doing a lot of things at an elite clip. So if the only thing you're worried about is walks, that's the type of guy that you should be okay with adding walks, especially on a team like the Braves who are the best in the National League at preventing hits and walks with their bullpen. This is the type of guy that could eventually take over as closer if Iglesias got hurt um, instead of A.J. Minter. This is the type of guy you want to look at, especially considering the old school teams that are just going to look at his ERA and say, "Ah, uh, 3.93, eh, but the analytics department and the Braves front office, this is the perfect guy that they'd go after. Someone that their surface numbers are not that great, but the underlying metrics show that they've been extremely unlucky. And that his expected ERA is much lower than his ERA. And there's a lot that goes into that based on his expected slugging and all that. But he's also had a batting average of balls in play of 357 against him. Remember, league average is about 300. And his average is a 272. By far, he's had the worst batting average of balls in play of his career and it's much higher than league average which means that players have gotten extremely lucky against him and that will eventually go away over time so that's my other pick my two top picks scott barlow jordan hicks and then my third pick would be middleton if the Braves get someone else Cool. I trust Alex and Thoplos at this point, and I hope that you do too. I'm looking forward to the trade deadline. It's one of my favorite times of not just baseball, but of the year for me, period. (laughs) Alright, that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I always enjoy doing these trade deadline style episodes. Please, if you think of a trade that you like, Let me know and let's debate it, you know, in a a civil debate. I love having these conversations. As always, you can email the show at BravestugoutGmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at BravestugoutPod or my personal Twitter at s Sports. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group that I will personally talk to you. I love talking to you about baseball. We have a website and all that stuff. It's in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. And don't forget to like and subscribe. To help people that don't know the show exists, get out there, and don't forget to vote for Best of Bay. That voting is up now. Thanks so much, and as always, Go Braves!